you will bow your heads with me. Dear God, we come to you now at the appointed time, and we're so thankful for that glorious day where you went to the cross to die for each and every one of us, and the more glorious day when you rose from the grave, defeating death, defeating sin. And we come here on the first day of the week to celebrate new life found in you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So um, I'm going to take a break from going through First John, and um, we've got about eight weeks leading up to Easter. So I thought we would uh, kind of, since we're, we've been kind of separated and, and, you know, isolated, I thought it would be appropriate this year to do a run up to Easter and hit the, all the events and the stuff leading up to Easter and, and just kind of, we can come together on Easter Sunday and boy, just make it what it, what it really should be, just a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, so um, I'm going to kick us off today in, in John 13. And this is the scene in the upper room. I just want to set the, the stage for you that as the disciples are entering into this dinner, they are arguing amongst themselves who will be the greatest in glory and who will set where. And um, the, my understanding of, in the historical reading is that the, the table was actually a U-shape. I know the picture makes it flat, but it's actually a U-shape. And the middle is where the, the master or the head of the household sat. And so as you got towards the end of less importance, so there's all this arguing that's going on, and then there are seats being taken, and you can just understand, you know, how sometimes our human nature just takes over and, and jealousies, and, you know, we get our feelings hurt, and there's resentment, and we dig up stuff constantly, we remind ourselves about people, about things, and um, just the, the human nature that is taking a toll and playing as they enter into this room. All right, and Christ is uh, bringing his disciples together, and this is uh, a very intimate meal, and um, there's some heavy theological stuff that goes on here, and um, it's just uh, an amazing chapter. John 13 is just an amazing chapter. Um, I picked John. It's in two of the other Gospels, okay? Um, So we're in the upper room, and it tells us that Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So just a couple of things that we need to bring out here in this. um, There's this line here that says that Jesus knew his hour had come. And when you you read in the scriptures leading up to this, there's this line that pops up a lot that says his time had not come yet. It was not his hour yet. And uh, I just want you to kind of to understand um, maybe the, the nervous energy that would be in this room. And um, Jesus chose to die. Jesus chose to accept coming in the form of man. Gretchen read... Philippians 2, that is an amazing chapter. It's my favorite chapter in the Bible. And it talks about how Jesus accepts 
the job giving, being asked to him from, from God to go and to die. And the Bible is real clear that he comes to this earth for one reason. Now, there are a lot of good things that happen, of course, when he comes. He heals people. He lays out, you know, gives the greatest sermon ever given. Um, just display of love no one had ever seen before. But make sure that we understand what his mandate was, what his job was. And that was to come and to die for sinners. And that's all of us. And then to be risen on, on Sunday. So, I mean, his time leading up to this, it was his public ministry. And we are seeing the end of his public ministry here. And the time has come for him to now head towards Calvary. And we see anytime there is any kind of interaction or anybody tries to get between him and Calvary, such as Peter, you know, who says, hey, we're starting to build up some, some disciples here and things are starting to go good, but you keep talking about this dying and being killed and, and all this, and it scares people off. And you need to cut that out. And Jesus calls him, you know, get behind these Satan. And um, so we see that anytime anything gets between him and the cross, that he, he, has, to, he has to lash out at that because there is, his job is to come and die for sinners. And when we, and, and I just want you to understand, um, I'm always uh, kind of, I've been married for almost 22 years now, and I just remember like um, walking out and it'd be like, you know, th this is happening, you know what I mean? And like, like the song says, no turning back, no turning back, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, and, um, and I'm always, uh, you know, and I've been 22 years almost removed from that, and I'm always kind of reminded um, like when I do weddings, the, and, and I always walk out with the groom, is usually how the ceremonies go. And just, um, you know, they're so, the groom is like the night before, he's like, oh, whatever you want, you know, I don't care. And, you know, and they're, they're playing it cool, you know, and everything. But then 15 minutes before the service starts, they turn into a different person. And they're like, oh my gosh. You know, and they start doing this, and, and you know, you can tell their demeanor's changed, and, um, you know, and we go through the rehearsal, and they're kind of like, yeah, I got it, the ring, no problem, but then when they're handing you the ring, they're, they're going like this, you know, and, and we get sometimes to these places in life to where there's, there's a line in the sand, so to speak, and you step over that line, it's a different world. And I just want you to understand that this is, the, this is Christ with the line in the sand. And he, everything's been leading up to this. And he's been sent for this reason. And aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that Christ is the kind of Savior that stepped across that line and headed towards Calvary? Because without that, there is no atonement. There is no salvation. There is no eternal life. No one else, no other being could handle that job. Not an angel, not any strong man, nothing. Only Christ could handle that job. And he accepted it and he performed it. He gave his life. He served to the point of death and death at crucifixion, which was the most horrible death at that time, if not still to this day. Just a horrible public display of pain and agony. 
and he, aren't you thankful? I mean, that's why we're here to celebrate, is that he, his hour came, and he accepted that. And he understood. He understood what he was doing. And that is, that is key there, is that he knew why he was here, and he knew what he was supposed to do. All right? Because this is all about service. This is all about sacrifice. And he is the perfect sacrifice. But understand that there's that line in the sand here. And his public ministry is now behind him. But now he is stepping across. And there's, there's no turning back. He's headed towards Calvary. He's headed toward the cross. And we're thankful for that. And then here is the underlying theme, the underlying motive of why he willingly steps across that line. He gives up his right. He's going to give up his rights as God. He is, although he is 100% man, he never becomes less God. He is 100% God. And when he is headed towards Calvary, he is relinquishing his rights as God. Because, man, all he had to do was blink an eyelash. And all the armies of heaven would come down to save him. And boy, that would be, that'd be a sermon to, to preach, wouldn't it, about that? But that's not what he was called to do. And that's not what he was asked to do. And that's not what he did. Right. And you say, why? What was the reason? And it tells you right there that he loved his own who were in the world. He loved them even to the end. Up. Love drove him up to that cross. The job that he accepted was all about love. So let me just say this here today, because sometimes we get into these dark places and sometimes we get to places to where we kind of feel like we're neglected and we're all alone and nobody care. Let me just say, Jesus Christ loves you. Regardless of what's going on in your life, where you are, if you're on the mountain or if you're in the deepest, darkest valley or cave, just remember, Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you. And he will always be there for you. Never leave you, never forsake you. And you can't be separated from his love. And that is one thing when you read in the Bible, even in the Old Testament, the Son of Man was there with him. And it was just, it's just a comforting thought. And it's a thought that builds us up that Jesus Christ loves us, regardless of what we've gotten ourselves into, regardless of where we are or how we've hurt or hurt somebody. Jesus Christ loves us. And that is the message of Easter. That is the message of everything in the Bible. It all reflects back to Jesus Christ, who is the epitome and perfect display of love. Because the Bible tells us in 1 John, God is love. All right? And this is, um, in supper being ended, all right, so... If you, if you study this very much and, and you look at translations and you look at commentary, right, there, um, probably a, a more accurate translation is uh, supper had begun. So supper, the, the beginning of supper had already started. So they were, they were in the middle of supper here. And we know that the devil was already working on Judas Iscariot. That deal had already been set. Okay, And then it says uh, he was going to betray him. But Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. So he has all power on earth, above earth, and under earth. He's got all power. It's been given to him. So he can do, I mean, he is God. 
So he has all power here. And this is a, a reminder that even as in the form of a man, he is still 100% God with all the authority and power of God the Son. So that's important to remember here. All right. So with supper started, um, there, and I want you to kind of connect the dots here. All right. So maybe I'll just be blunt and just kind of do it for you too as well. Okay. But the, the tradition here is that these guys are wearing sandals and it's a very dusty, sandy place. Okay. And they didn't have uh, what's the thing called where you go get your toenails cut and all that stuff? Pedicures, yeah. They didn't have pedicures and all. I mean, what's Seal saying? They had hammer time in their toes. All right. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was bad. And when you think about the table, they didn't sit in a table with chairs. So these tables weren't very tall, and they reclined. All right, and, and the way that they reclined is they put their feet kind of behind them a little bit to get them away from the food, all right, and to get them away from the guy next to you. And uh, I, I hate to bust him out, but sometimes when Jake gets in the car after a basketball game, he takes his basketball shoes off, and I was like, oh, my gosh, is that your feet I smell? And he proudly says, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you can imagine, you can imagine what was going on here. So it was a, it was a tradition and, and it was um, a sign of respect that when you entered into someone's house, they had the lowest of the servants come and they would wash your feet, okay? And the best they could. And that way, you know, you got to kind of get relief and, and it kind of made supper a little bit better, all right? But, and, and, and make the connections here. There is, no, there is no servant here. So this is Jesus bringing his disciples into this room. All right, and there, there's no servant available. Okay, you're you getting, you getting the connection there? All right, there's nobody to do that job. And it's the job of the lowliest. So, but no one's available to do that. And none of the disciples are going to do it. They're, they're still mad about where they're sitting. About half of them are mad where they're sitting. And they're still arguing about who's going to be the greatest. So there's all this going on here. All right? And it says, and then, and then in the midst of all this, there's this reminder that here's this, here's God, the Son of God, and he has willingly took on the form of man, lowered himself willingly, and he's about to give up all of his rights as God and head to the cross to die for everybody. And it says there that in the middle of all that, one of his disciples... Guess what he's doing? He's cutting another deal and betraying him. He's going to betray him with a kiss here in a couple hours. So in the middle, of that's what's going on all in this room. And still to the point, Jesus willingly steps across that line. All right? So you see all the stuff happening in this room. And then it says there that, and that he had come from God and he was going to God. So he, again, knew what was happening. And it says he rose from the supper and laid aside his garments. So he took his clothing off, took a towel, and he girded himself. Now this is, the, this is what a slave would wear. The lowest servant in the household would wear. And he, gird, and he put the clothing of a slave on. All right? Because in, in, there is no one there to stop him and say, hey, that's my job. There's no, now do you understand, the, you understand what's going on there? Is that there's no, no other person... No other thing. 
that could ever go to the cross to die for us. And it's the, and it's the most humiliating act that could ever be asked of someone. And yet the Son of God signed up for that and went and did it. And this is the imagery that's going on in this room, is that no one is there to wash the feet, okay? And the Son of God in this room, who has all power above earth, on earth, and below earth, given to him, he takes his clothing off, dresses as a slave. And then it says there that after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. He started to perform the lowly task that the lowest slave, lowest servant in the household, that would be a sign for them to do. And he does that to people that technically are beneath him. They are his disciples, his followers. And it says that, and then he wiped them with the towel that he had girded himself in. So do you see the imagery there? You ever like, uh, you ever have those towels? People have towels, the decorative towels in the house. All right. And you ever like go in and wash your hands and then as you're drying off on their decorative towel, it's like the grime is coming off. You're like, oh no. Like, or your kids do that. Grandkids, you know, they, they didn't really soap up their hands very well and they're drying off on your towel and like half their hands coming off on the towel. All right. Well, that's what's going on here is that he's girded him and, you know, these, he's cleaning them, but yet when he wipes them, I'm sure there's dirt and grime. You understand the imagery that's going on there? You understand what's happening there? Jesus Christ is going to take the dirt and crime off of us here in several hours. Isn't that right? Huh? As he's the lowest of low. I mean, that's just amazing to me. The imagery that's happening here. And I think about what's going through his mind because he's still 100% man. And you think about what's going through his mind. And you see him take the, the slave clothing that he has and as he's wiping it down. Don't you imagine the celebration, the pre-celebration that's happening when he knows I'm dying for everyone. I'm going in because of love, his love for us. And you almost kind of want the disciples to know what, he, you know what he's doing and why. And when that grime comes off their feet, you want them to know that Jesus Christ is going to take it from us forever. And aren't you thankful? I mean, you think back to the stuff. I've done some horrible things to some good people. I've done some horrible things to bad people. But aren't you thankful that God separates that from me as far as the east is from the west? I mean, forgiveness, atonement. I don't have to answer for those anymore because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And it says, then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter has the brash personality. He's outspoken. He has, you know, he has nominated himself to be the spokesperson for the group. And, uh, you know, you, I see a lot of myself in Peter sometimes. And um, it's not a good thing. All right. And, you know, he just can't help himself. And we all know, you know we all have, you know, uh, a Simon Peter in our lives. And it says here that when it, he came to him, he asked him, Lord, are, are, you, 
Are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says to him, you know, what I'm doing, you don't understand right now, but you will know after this. It'll make sense to you here in a little bit. And that's kind of like what I was saying earlier. Sometimes that, we, we got to live in faith. And, and sometimes these things that happen, and you know, we can get bogged down with our faith and our perseverance and our trust. That can all get damaged because we start to over-criticize, over-think, you know, over-ponder some things going on in our lives. And it's great to have answers and trust me, as a pastor, when I walk into situations, I love to be able to have like two verses I could quote, tell you this is why it happens, this is what's going to be good for you, and then pray and, and think, boy, I did my job as a pastor. But sometimes there aren't really words, and I'm just required to go in and say, I wish I had an answer for you, but I don't. So I'm just here to offer you love and, and support and cry with you or whatever you need. You know, I don't have an answer for you. But aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that there's going to be a day, a time when it all makes sense? And we have to live our lives knowing that there's going to be that time when we receive the knowledge and it, makes us, and it all makes sense. And we have to live with the faith and the trust that that day is coming. Not that it may happen, but that it is happening. And sometimes that can help you get through some tough times. Sometimes that can help you get through some dark times because we, and don't raise your hand, but how many times have you tried to figure something out and it doesn't make sense, and then who do you take some anger up with? Maybe direct it upstairs. We don't, you know, we don't like to admit that, but sometimes we, you know, we get angry with God. It's like, why, why would you do this? Why does, why does this have to happen? How could this happen in the world? You know, but we have to make sure that we understand that there's going to come time when it's going to make sense. And then Peter shoots back, okay? So I don't know, you know, I'm pretty sure, I don't know Peter's heart here, but I'm pretty sure that he's, um, you know, he's going overboard here as he does throughout his entire life. All right, and he says, you know, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to wash your feet and I'm doing it. You don't really realize why I'm doing it, but you're going to. And then he comes up and he says, uh, you know, you shall never wash my feet, you know, and you're too good. You're above me. You know, you're the teacher. You shall never wash my feet. And let me just pause there for a second, okay? And, and you guys, whoever's toes this steps on, you, we can talk afterwards and you can yell at me or whatever, Okay? <laughs> but some of y'all are impossible to help. <laughs> you know, we offer. Can we do something for you? Nope. I had someone in my last, at my Carrie Mills Church, would go to the hospital, have surgery, and would tell you when they get out. You know, like, yeah, I was in the hospital. It's like, what? Yeah, I didn't want you to know. Why? I just didn't want you to know. Okay? But uh, let me just say that, and, and generally these are the people that, that, help a lot. They are some of the best helpers. They do a lot for people. And a lot of them do it without any show or display. Okay? But there can be this thing where it's almost like pride. It's kind of an ugly word, I guess. Pride or, or, or spiritual pride or something where, you know, if, if I let my guard down, then somebody may think something of me or, you know, or I just don't want that intrusion or whatever. But 
sometimes we steal the joy from each other of being able to help and to be able to be, you know, there for each other and to encourage each other because we're afraid to admit that we have things. But let, let me just say that that pride can carry over and it can carry over into your relationship with Jesus Christ to where you almost are too prideful to admit that things aren't going well and you need help. And, you, want, and you know, it's too, too prideful to even take help from, from Jesus. So let me just say that if you're someone who rebuffs help, pray about that, all right? Because the whole system, the whole system of salvation is built on I need a Savior. I cannot do it on my own. I need Jesus Christ. And that is, you know, that's the system of, of the whole system's built around that. And we have to be able to accept that Jesus Christ died for us. And so when we come together and, and people are asking and know that we need help, sometimes it's good to let them help. All right? Don't take their joy away and don't have that, that pride there. And, but Peter, you know, he's saying, I... You're never going to wash my feet. You know, you're too good. And then Jesus just flat tells him, if I do not wash you, you can have no part of me. And that is speaking directly to each and every one of us, is that we have to depend on Jesus Christ for our, not only our salvation and our atonement, but also for everything in our lives. All right? And I get, I get pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. I know that's a part of it, okay? But I think what is happening is sometimes we get into this mindset and we only go to Jesus Christ on a 911 call or we turn in our requests, our, you know, anybody know what Cozy is? The app Cozy? All right, well, we, Arianne has this on Cozy on our phones. And if you want something on the grocery list, you go to this app and you type it in. And it's got all of the schedule in there. It's supposed to, you know, organize our, our uh, lives. I can never get into the app. <laughs> I don't know the password. I forgot my password or something. It doesn't work. All right, so I just end up texting her and she gets mad. She put it on Cozy. I was like, I just text you. You know about it. There it is. All right, but... Anyways, I think sometimes we have this inability to trust and this inability to give. Now, listen to the words I'm going to say here, okay? Complete faith. We, can't, we want to relinquish it, but do we really completely relinquish it to Jesus Christ? Or do you hold on to just a little bit? You understand what I'm saying? I'm not getting much feedback from you on this one. Might be getting too close to the, to the quick of your fingernail, right? Sometimes you cut them too close. But that is, that is sometimes where we stumble. And then it, that kind of builds up and snowballs. And then when the big things hit, boy, it's hard to relinquish everything to Jesus Christ. And this is what he's saying, is that it's all coming from me. And you hold anything back, then it's not good. And here's the other thing, is that Jesus is acting out of complete humility. 
He is getting ready to go to the cross. Peter is acting out of false humility. Now, ask yourself this. And now, this is really going to be tough, okay? Your motives. Is your heart in a state to where it's genuine? Or are we putting on a show? Okay? Now, that's a tough one to deal with. And that's got to be between you and, as they say, between you and Jesus. All right, you got to work that one out with fear and trembling and with lots of prayer. But I'm, I'm suggesting to you that what the Bible says is that to be Christ-like, which we are called to do, then you need to be in a state where um, you do it with genuine humility. And that's a, different kind of, that's a different kind of service. And let me suggest this to you as well. When we are capable of doing it with genuine humility, then the people who receive from us that's a different kind of service that they receive. And there's a difference that they feel. And I'm suggesting that we need to be and get our, our heart in a place to where we are genuinely serving from love. That's tough to be. I know. I'm, I'm there with you. I'm preaching to myself again. All right. But that is a tough place to be. And that is why... We teach here that every morning before your feet hit the floor, you pray the prayer of emptying, just like Jesus in Philippians 2. That's the chapter. He relinquished his rights as God so he could go to the cross. We are to relinquish who we are. Drain me of me and then fill me with the Holy Spirit. It's there. Just let it take over so I can go out and I can genuinely do these things. All right? And it says... uh, Simon Peter said to him, and then he still goes over the top, right? Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus says to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. But not all of you, because he's talking to the traitor, the, the betrayer, all right? So let me just say this here, because this is something that I kind of dealt with in my immature years of my spiritual life, all right? So, um, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're forgiven of our sins, okay? Still covered in our flesh, so we're still going to sin. And then, um, if we don't keep our prayer life up, if, we, you know, if we're not reading the Bible, if we're not communicating with God, if we're not letting the Holy Spirit fill us, then there's... Uh, there's these times to where we fall down into the valleys and we start to sin and we start to pick up the behaviors that we had in the life previous to us becoming, you know, saved. So there is this, there is this struggle here sometimes where people, uh, they almost kind of give up or they just kind of get sidetracked because of that. And then sometimes I've had people tell me, I need to get saved again. Well, you, you, there's no saved again. You're saved, and then you need to get right. All right, so what I'm suggesting here is that sanctification is an ongoing process to where we get through trials and tribulations, and we go through things, and we have to do it according to the Bible. We have to do it to where when we get to the other end of it, we're actually stronger and we're actually more faithful than had we not gone through the trial. 
So be aware and constantly take audit of where you are personally. And then, because he's saying here, you know, sometimes we just need our feet washed. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to have bathes because he's saved us. But sometimes we do need to have our feet washed. And if you're honest with yourself, that sometimes is reflective of our prayer life. And if we're not in a healthy place where, our, where we're praying and, and you know, we're communicating with God, then we can get into these, you know, these ditches and we can drive off the road and we can get into trouble. But there is a false humility going on here and Jesus calls him on it, all right? And I just want you to know that if Jesus calls Peter out in person, then he's going to have issues with us when we serve out of false humility or we do stuff that is not genuine, correct? So we need to have our hearts in a place to where we genuinely serve and we do it for all the right reasons. And that reason is always love, all right? And it says, so when he had washed their feet, Taking his garments, he sat down again, and he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to, ought to wash one another's feet. So what's this saying here? When I was a kid um, in the middle church, or even in the first church, we said feet washing ceremonies and they would wash each other's feet and everything, okay? And, you know, it's great. But here's the thing. It's not the act. You understand what I'm saying to you? We preach baptism here. But there's no, nothing special about the water, okay? The act doesn't save you. The recognition of needing a Savior the acceptance of Jesus Christ's sacrifice, his love for you, and that he died for you, and you accept his salvation, that's when you become a new, regenerated creature. All right? And let me say that the acts are only good when the motives are genuine. You understand what I'm saying? No? All right, because we're getting ready to kick off some stuff here. We're going to have you sign up for, for teams, and we're going to have you sign up for ministries. And let me just, as your pastor, and as someone who loves each and every one of you, we need to do it. We need to not only do it, but we need to do it for the right reasons. Because if we just do it, then we might as well just be another civic organization. Amen? I mean, is that too hard? Because what we have done sometimes is we do a lot of acts and we do a lot of processes here, but sometimes we forget why we're doing it and what we're doing it for. And great, this is a great church. Don't mishear me, okay? But we need to be careful that we don't concentrate solely on the acts but why we're doing it and that our hearts are in the right place when we do it because that is true service and I've said this before 
If you're tithing and, and you, you're not doing it with a grateful heart, then you need to, you know, don't get mad at me, Rich. No, I'm kidding you. Don't give it, okay? Because it's not going to be blessed. But if you give it in the right mindset, and we serve with the right mindset, driven by love, that's how you change the world. Just going out and doing acts, it ends right there. But if you do it for the right reasons, you can actually change the world. And that's what he's saying there, is that we're called to serve one another. And we're called to sometimes do the lowest of all the lowest jobs. And we may think that we're too good to do that job. But let me just say that as the example set forth in the scripture, if Jesus Christ himself could humble himself to do the greatest act of humility out of love, we should be able to do it too on, this, on a smaller scale. So we are called to serve and we are called to do things, but let's do it with the, because we can wash feet, but at the end, if it's not done for the right reason, you're just going to have clean feet. That's it. All right? But it has to be done with the right mindset. And it says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Knowing and doing two different things. So as we enter into this time of you know, opening up and of service and ministry, and some of you might be stepping out of your comfort zone and doing things that, you know, signing up for new ministries and, and all that stuff. I'm here to tell you that we need to pray and we need to get settled in our faith and we need to serve out of love. I can, I can always tell when Ariane made dinner out of duty. Not out of love. I'm kidding. All right. So, but you know when people do things out of love. And you know when people do things out of duty. My suggestion to you is that reflect on why you're doing the things you do. Reflect on the things at home. How many come home and they're upset because there's dishes in the sink, clothes, dirty hamper? I, we accuse our kids of like changing clothes four times a day. It's like, where did all this laundry come from? All right. But here's the other thing, okay? There are people who would do anything to have laundry to do, dishes to clean, because the people they used to do laundry for either have moved on gone on, houses are empty, we're blessed. If you're busy with kids and all that, you're blessed because there are parents sitting in hospitals right now wishing they could go to a ball game, wishing they could do stuff like that. Sometimes we lose sight of all the blessings. And I want to remind you as we head into the Easter season here, as we start these sermons leading up to Easter, is that Jesus Christ willingly stepped across that line and he did it for you 
He did it for me, and he did it because of love. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois, zip code 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And, as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church.